Hello, listener, and welcome to Switch It. We told you Basball was a thing. The Pindy Pitch may have been a turkey, but England tucked in with festive glee during a record-breaking return to Test cricket in Pakistan. Ben Stokes' declaration was full of Christmas generosity, but Pakistan ended up with a lump of coal all the same, as England piled on the nostalgia by clinching victory as darkness descended a la Karachi 2000. It was an instant classic, full of action, incident and talking points, like gorging yourself on a week's worth of chocolate while watching all six Home Alone films back to back. Yes, there really are that many. To pick through the wrapping paper and hoover up the toffee pennies, I'm joined in the studio today by two men with an appetite for destruction. ESPN Quick Info UK editor Andrew Miller and senior editor Osman Samiuddin. Season's greetings, chaps. Um, Miller, I'll come to you first as the pod's prophet of Baz. This was all, in many ways, foretold. Um, We'll come to the details in a bit. But did you ever see it all coming to pass quite so spectacularly for England's new approach? Well, there's a question. Now, what's, what's, what point of the, of the coming to pass do you wish to major in on there? Because if I foresaw the coming to pass that England would smack 506 runs in a single foreshortened day and bat at the tempo that basically could have got them 1,000 runs by the end of day two in a normal game, then no, I, 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 can't, I can't claim I foresaw Well, why not? What's wrong with you, Prophet? Yeah, but did uh, yeah. I foresee the fact that Basball could work in these conditions? Absolutely I did, because there's no reason why England cannot change their tempo to meet the pitch that, 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 mm. that they're faced with. I mean, by, by that, I mean, whatever they're going to get faced with, they are going to have to bat in a way that is going to work for them. And as we've seen from the way England have batted, harking back to the ashes and before and all the woeful rubbish batting that they produced while trying to be conventional and, and you know, be, be respectful to the traditions of English cricket and, and test cricket and playing woefully, uh, they weren't able to do. So they've decided, no, we're going to go hell for leather. We're going to bat and white ball cricket. And we've seen them put, you know, there was that that white ball tour of um, of India, wasn't it? So in 2018, when I think they passed 350 in each of their three innings in India, in Indian conditions. So, you know, some of them were spinning pitches. Some of them were flatter like this. Some of them were, you know, low bounce, all the rest of it. And we saw what they did in the in the recent T20 series in, in Pakistan. There's absolutely no reason to think they could not succeed. They could not see ball, hit ball, and as Johnny Bairstow famously put it in his in his critique of how he'd played in that in that breakthrough innings in Trent Bridge last summer. There's no reason why a team that that had the mentality of the white ball success story that has been English cricket for the last seven years could not take that into each individual delivery that they face in a test match and play it on merit and hit it for six on merit. I, I completely thought that was possible. Whether you could end up taking that that approach into a victory quite as extraordinary as England mm. produced this week is different. But, and I come back to this point, and I've made this point throughout this whole narrative. Why not? Why? What is? What on earth did England have to lose by going in with a clear plan to think? You know what? We're going to do it differently because we've tried to do it properly over the years and we keep losing in Asian conditions and keep losing in Australia and keep losing the matches that we're judged by uh, horrifically. So we're not going to do it the way we've done it before. We're going to do it the new way. And, um, you know, you can't foresee that it's going to be this successful, but you can foresee that it is probably on balance going to be more successful than the rubbish that we were being served up with previously. If that is succinct enough. The perfect and uh, emphasises the point that uh, Test cricket is all in the head. Uh, Oz... Never mind the Rawalpindi Express. This was more like the Rawalpindi sleeper service. But uh, neither the pitch nor Pakistan uh, could prevent England from getting to their destination, even though in the past this would have been a nailed-on draw from probably the end of day one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the, the flip side of what, what Miller was saying is that if, if ever there was a pitch where England would go at six and a half to seven and over over the course of like a hundred... How many overs was it? Ultimately? Uh, Less than 100? 139 or something. 139 one in the overs. first innings and then another. This, uh, this was that pitch, right? I mean, Pakistan's had some some horrible pitches over the years. I've seen, you know, Sehwag go over, run a ball for like a triple and a double mm. in Lahore with with Rahul Dravid, of all people, when they put on 400 and something for the for the first wicket. Um, so, you know, this pitch 
was going to be eight. What they were doing preparing for this pitch, preparing this pitch for England, I, I literally have no idea. And I think it is actually, if you, if you kind of draw back from it, it's symptomatic of their kind of muddled thinking throughout this test match from the very beginning, from their selections. You know, so, so Barbara came in the press conference um, after the defeat uh, and said that, you know, the, the pitch is not what we wanted. We had asked for something. We had given our input in, but that's not what we wanted. We wanted a spinning track. Well, if they wanted a spinning track, then why were they playing with one spinner? Uh, and dropping Mohammed Nawaz, who, you know, they, they put in Agha Salman or Salman Agha. We don't know yet, but we will find out soon. <laughs> um, they, they, they picked him as the kind of off-spinning all-rounder, whereas, you know, Nawaz was your left-arm spinning all-rounder in the last test series that you had played, where he was the highest wicket-taker for you. <laughs> and, you know, not, not long after that, there was a video from the dressing room in which Babur says to him, after, after the India loss, in fact, at the World Cup, when Babur says to him that, you know, you're still my match winner, Nawaz, so I'm, I'm backing you because you're still my match winner. It's not a very good way to match your, to, to back your match winner. You know? so, so that strategy was muddled. If you wanted spinners, then why did you only go in with one spinner in that, in that team? And then why would you drop? two all-rounders on that kind of surface, where you really would need an all-rounder. And you had a tail starting at eight with Nassim. Um, so and I, three debutants in your... And three debutants well. and, you know, inexperienced team. Yeah. Well, yeah, an inexperienced team overall, I, I, I'd say. But I, I think Pakistan could have handled their selection far better than they did. And, you know, pitch preparation, I mean, there's all kinds of just rumours flying around about how much input Ramiz had. On that pitch, for example, you know, <laughs> shaving the grass off the last minute. Raul Pindi's not. You, you've, you know, Alan, you've done, you've done a piece on this. You, you looked up stats for Raul Pindi. It's not this pitch. You know, we've, we've watched Test cricket in Pindi, where there has been something for all kinds of bowlers, for leg spinners, for, for fast bowlers, for batters, reverse swing, new ball, seam movement. I know Ramiz went on TMS and said that, you know, it's going to take years to kind of fix or, or make a pitch, proper, a proper pitch in Pakistan. But he was there commentating on that, on that Rahul Pindi pitch two years ago against South Africa and raving about the pitch, in fact, saying how good it is for everyone, <laughs> how well it's been curated. So, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm thrown off by the very, very mixed messaging coming out of the Pakistan camp here is that, you know, you want a spinning pitch, but you're only playing one spinner. Um, you think you're... Sp Pitches are completely a lost cause. Yet two years ago, you had great pitches for series against probably a better pace attack. I mean, South Africa had Rabada, Nokia, um, and I'm trying to think who the third teamer was. And they had Ngidi there as well. So they had a good pace attack. They had Maharaj taking wickets. So I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just left wondering. And they did this as well against Australia last year, mm. where Ramiz yeah, kind of openly admitted that we have neutered this pitch. <laughs> we have seen Raul Pindi do... Uh, which is completely in recent memory, but. which is completely against the grain. So the you know, narrative that they're kind of selling that oh we we can't do anything with these pitches is that is total. Well, I don't want to swear on the show, but it's BS. <laughs> they, they have made better pitches than this and good pitches. Um, and, and you know, so I think it, it showed their it, it it kind of showed you their intent from the very beginning that I don't think they were thinking of anything other than trying to save this match from the moment they went into that ground. Um, and they they were given a little bit of a of a chance buying well probably more than a little bit of a chance they were given that chance by a by a very bold and I, and I would say like a genius declaration from from Ben Stokes mm. which I'm sure we'll talk about um, but in no way and and I don't use the word deserve for for sporting results but yeah there's no way Pakistan should have come out of that game with anything other than a fairly resounding loss a loss it should be much bigger. In the 78 months that it was ultimately. Uh, we, we talked about this briefly yesterday, but you know, they were in with the chance of winning it right until the last couple of hours. It's only because of Ben Stokes. <laughs> literally only because of Ben Stokes. Because, you know, he, he had he batted, what, another hour that day, Pakistan would have shut shop and yeah. said, right, we're just going to bat out for a draw. So, you know, that they were in with a chance was only down to Ben Stokes's kind of, you know, kindness, I guess, in that declaration. Um, and, and they should never have come out with it, anything other than a loss. Kill, killing them with kindness. Going to be kindly cruel. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. That's the line. That's the line. Um, I mean, Miller, there are all sorts of extraordinary elements to this uh, match, and, and we will try to get through most of them. <laughs> uh, right at the front, the fact that England, on the first morning, didn't know if they would be able to even field an 11, and then had to make a last-minute change, dropping their first-choice wicketkeeper and bringing in a guy who, or giving the... the gloves to Ollie Pope, who's only kept in sort of seven first-class matches or something like that. Um, if we start there, I mean, things weren't looking too great. And we talked last week about the attacking that we're going in with. 
as as we suspected James Anderson, Ollie Robinson and Jack Leach as, Jack Leach as the three specialist bowlers. Obviously, good bit of fortune to win the toss. Uh, but <laughs> from there on, you know, it became quite hard to fathom what was happening. Yeah, I mean, well, to start, start at the beginning of all that, I mean, I suppose the one thing to be said about the whole scenario was it, I think, was a, a showed a great deal of um, collaboration and, and, and encouraging good relations between the PCB and the ECB that they were willing to mm. sit sit around and discuss the p- potential of a postponement. You know, obviously a high profile first match in 17 years. They didn't want to ruin the occasion by by England basically not being able to not being able to play because they only had six fit players. So. Um, you know that would not have happened a few a few years ago. Go back into the into the into the rancorous history of, of between the two mm. boards, and even you know last year when 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 Ramis was ranting about England's slightly cowardly de- decision to mm. to ba- abandon their goodwill tour, um, it's it was a good sign. So that 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 was um, it was nice to see that they were able to be grown ups about the issue, and it was also nice to see that England were able to field a team. But yeah. I mean, yeah, from Crick Invo's perspective, we didn't actually write a preview for this for this game because by the time the the decision was made that we're going to decide an hour before the start of the mm. game uh, that we're going to play, we sort of looked at each other, well, we could write a preview for this match, but we don't know what we're previewing. We might be previewing it for 24 hours hence. We could try and guess what the team is, but there are six fit players at the moment, so what's the point? So, ah, whatever. Let's just uh, let's let, let, let's let's um, let let let's, uh, fate take take uh, take stock here. But with all that in mind, in and taking into account everything else that we have, uh, are bound to get on to talking about the, the circumstances of this win, for England to come from that position of of the entire team vomiting and and and. Basically, being being incapable of, of standing and let alone batting, um, to to getting to to this this denouement, uh, you know, you talk about talk about the great Test match, and everybody has been trying to trying to work out where this match mm. ranks in great England victories, and you know, recency bias and all the other gubbins that goes into the, these sort of decisions are one thing. But the one thing I will say about great Test matches is. Generally speaking, you when you witness them in the flesh, when you're there in the moment and you think, this is instant history. I got the feeling of instant history for, for the circumstances, you know, the setting sun and the, and the mm. 11 men around the bat, all the iconic reference points and, yeah. and the batting scoring records and all the other things that are going to stand out as outliers in, in the statistical history of the game for hence, henceforth. Add all of that together and it was ultimately a classic victory i think oz agrees it wasn't a classic match all the way through necessarily for the reasons we've discussed about the pitch mm. but for england to conjure a position that they can they could walk away <clears throat> with a win that was so minutely calibrated to win with eight minutes of daylight left and yeah. and as I said if they delayed that declaration and dangled less of a carrot it would have not happened um all of those reasons added up it it was it was a genuinely great victory and unquestionably an instant classic um there's a pretty much a shopping list of extraordinary numbers so <laughs> run through some of them now I mean, it was the the third highest uh, aggregate for a test match in the history of the game uh, and and the two above it uh, so 1768 runs the two above it were timeless tests from the 1930s right um, love it <laughs> uh, it was the first time uh, in history that both teams uh, there had been two first inning scores of 550 plus and it had ended in a result it was the most runs uh, in wow. a test that had ended in a result as well um the most runs on on an opening day uh, of a test first mm. time 500 have been scored 506 for four um the second most runs in a losing cause for pakistan wow. it would have been uh the most runs ever to uh, scored by a team losing if england had ended up losing uh, all oh, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> they scored 657 and, and lost the game and could wow. have still lost the game um it was it missed out on on the record for most centuries there were only seven in the end only uh, supposed to eat <laughs> yeah. it's the record yeah, exactly right, yeah, twice yeah. that had previously happened uh, it was only the third win for england and pakistan in 25 attempts mm. um but uh, oh, the kind of the key point and we've we've touched on it but to hammer at home is that 
breakneck pace with which England batted. So six, six and a half throughout that first innings, mm. six and a half runs and over. Uh, they actually went even quicker in the second innings, yeah. um, scoring 264 off 35 0.5 overs, that's 7.36 and over. Um, that puts so much time back into the game, uh, to, to um, use that turn of phrase, that, I mean, Pakistan were, were on the defensive right from the very first mm. ball they faced. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking, you know, when, when Miller was reminding us that there was a chance that this test could have been a delayed by a day. And if, if they had played, say, for example, a four-day test, would England have gone twice as hard in that first innings? Like, would they have gone at 12s and over? I, 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 you know, you wouldn't put it past them, right, to attempt to kind of claw back. And, they and seem we to be saw, scoring so freely at that rate. That... Well, this is the thing. And, and we saw them. Alan, you and I were at the Trent Bridge test, mm. which is kind of, you know, I, th I think was that that was the second test of the series against yeah, New Zealand when, after when, Lords. Yeah. And that was the first full kind of flowering of, and, of, of basketball. Well, and that test uh, is also in the top 10 for highest run highest run scored, scored uh, aggregate and so uh, what, what aggregate, they had yeah, done like there 1700 runs and produced a result although both yes. teams had mammoth first inning score and, and so what they had done there was that they caught up with New Zealand's score mammoth score New Zealand hadn't, hadn't gone slowly I think they were at four and over mm, for much yeah, of that yeah. innings and, and and I think England caught up so quickly with it that again like like they did in Bindi they just bought themselves almost an extra day you know mm. when you when you bat that kind of pace so the second innings scoring, I, I it, it didn't, I, I don't want to say it didn't blow me away, but I wasn't so surprised by the fact that they were going at seventh and over because then, you know, the game was kind of set and we knew what they had to do. But for them to go as hard as they did in that first innings, and, you know, I... I, I for a hundred overs. For a hundred overs, I account for like, you know, Pakistan having a, a weakened attack. Um, but, but you know, somebody raised the question that, okay, if, if you had not picked Zahid and say you had gone with Abrar Ahmed, who was doing a mystery spinner everyone thought about, there's no guarantee that he would not have gone for as many runs. I, I think he would have gone for as many, if not more, just because, you know, he's a bit more inexperienced mm -hmm. than, than Zahid. And he would have maybe reacted to that first on onslaught a little worse than Zahid might have done. Um, e even with Shaheen Afridi in that attack, who else would you add? Hassan Ali, out of form, Shaheen. England definitely would have gone the same way. But like whether the results would have been mm. slightly different, I don't know. But I, I, I just think on that kind of surface, they would no attack really would have been able to control and contain um, England scoring. So you know that that first innings really was the phenomenal one, and I think that just threw Pakistan off. I think the the first over the innings, which of course I missed because you know. I, I don't know what time the starts were five, I think. And well, then, but in theory, well, yeah, and you guys were up before. You guys were up no before. No one quite knew what, the, what any of the sessions. Well, exactly that right. first morning. Yeah, yeah the, the session timings. Vision, Daniel, Rasul. I think you need to slap each on not getting the the right timings every time. But on that first morning, I think you guys were up at like two forty-five or three to get to find out about yeah. whether the match was going to go ahead. Mm. So you know. So I missed that first over, which I think went for 14. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Zach, off Nassim Zach Crawley, yeah. And, you know, you sometimes think, okay, 14 off the first over, yeah, it's just loosening up or whatever. And it's A couple of edges. Exactly. A couple of edges here and Nassim Shah bowling pretty well. And then by the time I woke up, there were, I think, 70-odd off uh, 10 by that time. And I was like, oh, God damn, what's going to go on here? What's happening here? I was like, this is the T20 final. But it's not because they were slower in the T20 final, right, than, the, than they had been. So absolutely phenomenal. And, and it's scary because you kind of wonder, like, you know, the test cricket, we kind of protect as the one format where the, the contest between bat and ball is still somewhat even. You mm. go around different places in the world, to South Africa, to India, you face different challenges. And you still, bowlers are in with a chance. But at the back of my, at least my mind, and you know, I, I love test cricket because that's what we kind of grew up on. But at the back, in the back of my head, has always been this thought that, oh damn, what, what if like, what if somebody does what they do in T20s and ODIs? What if somebody just takes that to test cricket? And like you said earlier, why not? And so England have done it. And to me, that's the scariest thing now because how do bowlers get back into this? Now, of course, you know, they'll always have the ball. They'll always have conditions in test cricket. They'll always have the flexibility with the field settings and stuff claw back into it but it, it's truly frightening in that sense that if, we, if England just kind of continue like this and, and there's no signs that they won't and they're producing players to go ahead with this then what the hell happens to test cricket like I don't know two, test, year, test two cricket, years from now test cricket evolves this is this is this is what I've been saying all along test cricket evolves it, it, it <clears throat> reacts to the zeitgeist that is why it has mm. survived since 1877 
this is not the first time that test cricket has changed its mind about how it needs to be. It's, you know, we talked about timeless tests three or four mm. times already. No, no, no. Timeless tests ended because people realised, okay, we can't do that. <laughs> we, we can't just we can't keep on going. Two weeks like, later, <laughs> this is all a bit dull. Our boat you know? is about to leave. When you, you end up, you end up 1960s with dull as ditch water. So suddenly you end up with the 1970s with the West Indies but, but machine. Feel, then you get the 1990s with Australia batting at four. But does this feel more drastic than any of that, I, or well, is that just the impact of the way they bat? Well, I think it feels more drastic simply because it's because well, we're, we're in a more drastic era. We're suddenly yeah. in the T20 era where everything mm. feels drastic. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. I, I don't. I don't. No, see. not a bad thing. I just yeah. feel like it's a bigger jump, and so for bowlers to kind of catch up with this, you know, because again, uh, the, the test through the summer, some of those pitches, some of those pitches were not bad pitches for bowling. Like mm. Trent Bridge, I distinctly remember was a pitch that had pace, it had bounce, mm -hmm. and there was some reverse on offer at some point, I think. But there was something in it for the bowlers. And the way they went about it was just like... Oh, there were a lot of drop catches in that game. There well, were a lot of drop catches. Uh, well, I, 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 I refer back to the origin of all of this, which is New Zealand and the way that Brendan McCullum, obviously the coach, was the captain of New Zealand back in the day. And remember mm. the way that England got eviscerated in Wellington in the 2015 World Cup. Probably yes. the, 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 the classic, you know, for all that being beaten by Australia was probably more iconic in, in their own World mm. Cup. That, that particular defeat was the most seismic thumping that England has endured yep. in in, yep. in a generation. And the way it was done, it was a bit of a bit of a seeming deck. You end up with with Tim Southey bowling with what, four, five, six slips? Yes. You know, yep. basically Australia sorry, New Zealand beat England that day using test match tactics in a one day one yep. day game because the ball was seeming. Yeah. So there's absolutely no reason to think that if the ball is going to seem you can transfer you're that. not going yeah. to transfer the way that people yep. people go about it and have stack the slips. You don't have to have a ring of Ring of fielders like we had the uh, a circle yeah. jerk of fielders for one of a better a circle word. jerk of fielders, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to have that in every single scenario. You're going to end up with um with conventional fields, and you know to double down on on the reason why I'm not scared for the future of Test cricket. You only have to look at the enthusiasm of Jimmy Anderson, Mister mm. Forty Year Old Man, who's seen absolutely everything. He has he is loving his cricket probably more than he ever has in his entire career because he feels there's purpose and and a point to the hard graft. You know, mm. previously he'd have been on pitches like that. He'd have done his damnedest. He'd have hit a bold line in length. He'd have gone for nothing and taken yeah. nothing. Yeah. Now suddenly you're, you're in a situation where he's volunteering to to not take the new ball, yeah. come on as first change and, and bowl bounces. bounces to scuff yeah. it up and, and to, yeah, yeah. to build the reverse swing. And then when the reverse swing does kick in, suddenly he's bowling for... He's essentially bowling for uh, to a leg slip, no normal slip, but a yes. leg slip, and bowling into the armpit, trying to get a glove down the leg side. I mean, that's so unconventional. It's very un-Anderson. It, it is. It's very, very un-Anderson in theory. But actually, <clears throat> because he's got the skills and the know-how yeah, to do it, do it, he's done it before. He yeah. can do it. He can bowl to orders, and that is why England are effective because they have players who are willing to buy in to the necessary orders in the field that will get them the result. You know. Um, you know. It, it's. The fascination of this is, I think, um, Vish, Vish said it pretty well in the piece he wrote the other day, is that, you know, it looks like dumb slogging when it comes to the batting side of things. Mm. But actually, England make up for what might seem occasionally witless or, or one-dimensional batting by thinking so far outside the box, they're sort of building yeah. new boxes all the time. The, the, yeah. the, way, the way that Stokes went about masterminding that extraction of wickets. And, uh, and again, mm. I think um, yeah, Matt made the point that even though England have lost one of their matches under Brendan McCullum, they've claimed 10 wickets in every single every innings single that they innings, have bowled yeah. because obviously they lost by an innings against South 15 Africa. 15 out of 15. 15 out of 15. Yeah. They have taken 10 yeah. wickets. They have, they have, they have realised that, you know, runs, runs for show, but wickets for dough, essentially, that wickets are the single most important currency in a test match yeah. over yeah. and above the run. So you can, you can get carried away with the, with the high scoring five and six and but all the rest the of bowling, it. Yeah. But it's yeah. the bowling and the ability to take 10 wickets and, and the ability not to feel as though you're, you're compromised if you get slogged for say 35 in and over, mm. like, like Stuart Broad happened the other, yeah. uh, you know, you last summer. Stick to that plan. Stick, stick to the plan. Your yeah. bowling bounces because you, you reckon that the bounce is the yeah. best way to get the wicket. Yeah. And if you get hit for six a few times, keep going. Cause at some stage you're going to top edge it and you'll get the wicket. And that's all that matters. It's, it's fascinating, and 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 I don't think you know people can say they're bored of basketball. I, I mean, if you're bored of basketball, you're bored of cricket, frankly, you're because this is life, this right? is much more interesting. Samuel Johnson said this is much more interesting <laughs> than watching a boring version of Royal oh, yeah. Pindy against against <laughs> Australia or the yeah. dreadful dirges that we put up with in the Caribbean last 100%. last last winter. Now, well, 
obviously, final point, because I know I'm, I'm, I'm off on one. I know England <laughs> lost that series. England lost that series, so you can retrospectively argue that Craig Brathwaite's tedious hundred in the in, in the second test was 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 worth it. And yes, fine, you won the series, but did you win any cricket fans? Did you win any test fans to come and come and watch that that dreadful fair? No. Are you going to win fans back by playing like this? Yes. I can't see a flaw in the plan, frankly. Mm. On the on the basis that we might get round to talking about England in the West Indies power briefly, Miller, I did a calculation <laughs> for you. Um, if England had scored at the rate, uh, the baseball rate uh, during that, Match. Is that what you were doing while he was going off on one? <laughs> Just <laughs> way in advance. Um, so England made 507 for nine declared and 185 for six declared um, at a scoring rate of 3.36. And when they were pushing on a bit, 4.64 in the second innings, if they'd scored at six and a half and over, it would have given them an extra 84 overs in which to set the target and take 10 wickets. West Indies finished that game 185 for six. Mm. Um Sorry, that's uh, 135 for five. That was England innings. And they would have of had 65 overs. So England could have had an extra 70, 60, 70 overs, uh, which to try and take those five yeah. wickets it, and it, win the game. And the, maths, it, it, it is fa- that is some genius <laughs> maths. And a similar, similar example in Antigua in the first test. Genuinely, it's fascinating because if you, if you look back at that series and, you know, obviously forget about the, you can't forget about England losing the series, obviously, but forget about the, the, final denouement of the series but look mm. at the 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 tiny strides that England were trying to take in that series I I, I wrote a piece about it at the time actually was um, Dan Lawrence who who obviously has been injured and mm. has been outside mm. and and hasn't had a look in really since that that series but very very briefly Dan Lawrence was if you recall he was playing crazy inside out cover yeah. drives for six over extra cover to try and speed up the speed up a declaration yeah, I think he scored 37 off 36 or exactly something he, in, uh, there, no, there were signs there were that. signs even in that that timid broken team of Joe Root's post ashes there were signs that England were just starting to think you know there must be a better way of doing this and just so happened that Root wasn't the dynamic captain that England needed to to break the shackles of of everything that had gone before but there were signs and, and again you know you look we'll talk about Will Jackson, his his off spin, but Dan Lawrence's spin in that series. If you recall, he he, he had a very, very it was very seam heavy spin. He was like looping it up, but but rotating on the seam to try mm. and get it to bounce in odd directions, and it would pop a couple of times. He got a couple of gloves down the leg side. There were signs even then of this guy who was tossing it up and just trying to get a wicket that England were thinking, you know what, there, there is there is the seeds of a different way of doing things here. <laughs> and e- actually, you know, e- vi- and, and in fact, in that uh, Barbados test, uh, Stokes scored uh, a sort of run a ball hundred mm. on the second morning to try and speed the game up. Mm. Not not quite on the same level as uh, three eighty ball hundreds as, as Raul Bindi. No, saw, but... it, 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 it was. It, I think <laughs> you know, if you look back, it, it's been coming. I think it's been coming since the end of the Ashes. They, they've been they they got to the end of that Ashes series and realised that was the worst cricket we have ever played. Yeah. We cannot allow this to happen again. We cannot be as timid. We cannot be as one dimensional. We cannot be as Boring. Boring's not even the word because they were almost too bad to be boring. They, yeah, were, they, were, they yeah. were just without hope, and they they they're too good to be without hope because you know when you got a team team that's got characters like Stokes, Roots, Anderson, yeah. even Broad still 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 standing four all time greats for English cricket within the same team, and to be that bad made no sense. So it it, it it's been coming and. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know I was it's thinking you, you mentioned um, earlier, you mentioned the, the England-New Zealand game at that World Cup. And I, I was reminded of a game that New Zealand... So this was the, the, the Phil Hughes game. If you remember, New Zealand played Pakistan in Sharjah. Mm. Yes. Uh, just just the, like a few months before that. I think it was just a few months before that. Was that it? Was the, it was the, the yeah, one November, November, November 2014. So just before the World Cup. And McCullum yes, was and captain. McCullum, yeah. Uh, and you remember that uh, McCullum uh, uh, went absolutely berserk. Yeah. Um, and they managed to win that game. Uh, I, I think it, I was just looking at the scorecard. New Zealand scored 690 at nearly five and yeah. over. It was a seminal, seminal moment. And I think McCullum has talked about how it flipped the switch. He has. Right? Yeah. He yeah. has spoken about how it kind of melded in with you know Phil yeah. Hughes dying they, and life not being that important about and stuff. If you don't want to, well, you know, if 
play how you feel kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I, I think what I think the most important thing about what happened for McCullum was he accessed something that he did not know he had. I mean, obviously he's always been uh, always had an ability to go uh, yeah. go yeah. go go like the clappers. That that's been the defining characteristic of his batting. But I think he realised in that innings and the fact that. You know, New Zealand were playing with dead eyes. Essentially, they just yeah, thought, well, no. why are we here? A bit like, a bit like England at the end of the Ashes. What are we doing yeah, this for? No. There's no purpose to to us going through the motions here. But he somehow managed to access a mindset, access a zone, essentially, mm. and, and, and almost, yeah, you know, as you say, flipped a switch to say, you know, this is where I need to be every time. And that's essentially what England have got now. Is they they have managed to shed the pomp and the circumstance and the weight of history and all the all the all the unnecessary baggage that comes with worrying about test cricket and your place in legacy and all the rest of it and you look at Joss Butler in the ashes was you know yeah, Vish, no. Vish um, you know props to Vish for making Dasud's corner um this uh, this week well played well played Vish that's a lifetime yeah. lifetime goal that I I'm still Eyes so blue as the ocean we're all, Eyes very, as blue as the ocean. We're all very proud <laughs> yes. all very proud of Vish well done, Vish his deep blue eyes um, uh, Joss Butler's deep blue eyes but but within the the ashes, those eyes were a, the seminal moment of that Adelaide test was him dropping catches and his eyes yeah. so expressive oh, yeah. they they looked like a bottomless pit. Mm. The man looked like he was he was dead to the game at that precise moment. Mm. And the fact that England have got got themselves into such such a funk in Test cricket at that point that someone as good as Joss Butler, who who began that Ashes tour with a with a tour de force of the World World T Twenty? Yeah, finished yeah. the Ashes tour by going off and, and tearing it up at the IPL to be yeah. MVP. Has gone on to win the World the Cup. The World Cup since since then, and then somehow, in between this run of incredible white ball form, he got into such a funk that he was batting at a zero strike rate and dropping catches left, right, and centre, and thinking, "Oh my God, the enormity, the possibilities of this game are so enormous. I'm going to get swallowed by them." I mean, if if the game was getting so intense and so deep and meaningful for England's cr- yeah, play, players, a player as great as Joss Butler was yeah. drowning in Test cricket. It was the fault of the England mindset rather than yeah. the game that that, that that was going wrong. So they they've managed to access that 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 mindset that the McCullum located when Phil Hughes died. So you know what, this doesn't matter. Yeah, it does not matter. You do not let the enormity of this sport get you down. You just go out there, see ball, hit ball. Hit it for six. Mm. Hit it for hit it for four. Block it if it's a good ball. You know you're allowed to do that still. Mm. Bat at the tempo that will get you a result, and then bowl until you've got ten wickets each innings. I mean, it's 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 pretty simple, and it's it's not it's not you know it's not the weight of history. It's not Douglas Jardine and and you know War, Warwick Armstrong bearing down on your shoulder all, all the time. It's uh, it's something something else entirely. It's yeah. it's it's a point actually somebody raised yesterday on on Twitter. Uh, Hari Govind S at Holy Cricket, if if anyone's interested. But it's talking very much to what you're saying. He says basically that I think a lot of the chat about the nature of baseball is wholly missing the point. It's not a strategic ploy. It is a contrivance for these overworked, overstressed, underachieving cricketers to disentangle themselves from the result and just enjoy themselves. Yes. Right Which is 100%. You know, then he goes on to detail like Stokes' disinterest in cricket following the demise of his father and stuff. Mm. I think you're right. And what he did was just come in like, and of course, you know, there is, and I'm sure we'll discuss it, there is there is method behind it, there is mm. thinking behind it, there is planning behind it. But the overall, I think what he's done is just lift the kind of burden of test cricket off mm. a lot of players in, in England. Where, where I think, incidentally, England is one of the countries, maybe Australia is another, where the burden of test cricket is felt at its heaviest mm. by any player coming through the system. You know, you, test cricket, it, it's where it's at. It's its all it is and stuff. It, nobody remembers the 2010 World Cup winning, T20 World Cup winning team. Now they've started paying attention to white ball cricket, of course, <laughs> since 2015. But, you know, until then, the, the legacy of kind of red ball cricket just weighs so heavily mm. on everyone here that, you, you know, maybe what, what he's done primarily and predominantly is just to kind of ease that, ease that weight a little bit. Yeah, um, it's very sort of... Open, empathetic. They talked interestingly. Uh, Stokes, I thought, uh, the after the presentations and so on about what it felt to win a game like that and the emotion mm. of it all. And, and apparently, James Anderson was very uh, in, yes, in a similar sort of place. So that Test cricket magic. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've said that this was kind of advertised. We saw this coming, Miller. Mm. Certainly, some of us did. Um, I mean, right before the series. Brendan McCullum uh, spoke to the to the 
journalists out there. Um, pulled a quote out here. He said, we'll certainly be pushing for results because we see it as our obligation to try and ensure that people walk away entertained. Um, if we get beat, Pakistan, we know will have played well. I expect us to play well. And if we get play outplayed, that's OK, too. I mean, there are people that sort of do take issue with McCullum being slightly preachy on this no, stuff, no. but they absolutely um, walked the talk there. Um, we touched on the declaration, but I think it was the fifth, joint fifth lowest target uh, wow. ever set wow. with four sessions. Uh, one of our stats guys, Sampath, I think, pulled that out. Um, so 343 with, with a whole four sessions left in the mm. game. You know, England really were willing to lose that game in order to try and win it. It's, I, I don't think it's, it's preachy at all. All it was <laughs> was that he they're trying to win a game. Isn't that why, like... Uh, they were trying to win hearts and minds as well. Well, <laughs> screw the hearts and minds, man. I think primarily they were just trying to win a game. And the best way that they saw to win the game on that pitch, on that, you know, abomination of a pitch, <laughs> on that road, on that highway, was that they would have to lure Pakistan into thinking that they can win this. And once you got Pakistan into thinking that they can win this, you would get them to make mistakes. You would get them to, you know, get them out in different ways. Uh, then you would have thought otherwise. And that's exactly what happened. It, it, it timed it so well that Pakistan did think they were going to win it. You know, they were fairly bullish, I think, on the night before mm. uh, the final day when they went into the press conference thinking, yeah, we can win this. And and they probably could have done it. You know, had a few things gone otherwise for them, they probably could have won it. Um, and, and, th and that's surely the genius of his... Forget the, the preaching and the, and the baseball so Forget all that. He just declared really well... <laughs> And it does. It just we we are, we're talking loads about it because it just never happens in cricket. Mm. You know, we're always, always, forever going on about the declaration just being a little bit too late. You still win games, but you always think that captains are being cautious and they keep going and they keep going and then they declare when it's too late. All Ben Stokes did was declare just the right perfect moment when he gave the opposition enough, like a big enough sniff to want to go for it on a pitch that they could have gone for it. And gave themselves enough of a chance to bowl a side out. It, it's simple. It was, it was perfect. I forget the preaching. Yeah, the one, one thing. One thing I will say about the preaching. I think. I think it's important to address the preaching because it is probably the one thing that stops people from paying attention to what's actually going on. Because yeah, yeah, that's true. Because England, there is an element of preach in what England are doing, but that's I believe is very much, a, very much a, a a internal ECB led very localised English issue. The English mm. cricket is all about participation, all about regrowing the game, all about the mistakes made when, when it went behind a paywall, all about mm. you know rebuilding the legacy yeah. that got yeah, lost in 2005. talk a lot about people turning off the TV and things. Yes. And, you know, I, I've talked about this before, but I, I still I, it still astounds me that when England won the, the 2019 World Cup, the second question, second question in the post-match press conference after that match of all matches was... Owen Morgan being asked, well, well, Owen, that's a great game. What's that going to do for participation levels in English cricket? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus, <laughs> moment. Really? So, is this the time? <laughs> so but my point is, my point is that I do believe that that is so hardwired into the players, the mm. English players specifically. Everything's seen in that. that everything's seen through that yeah. lens. And sometimes it will come out that this is, we're doing this just to, just to win hearts and minds. I think it's, I think it's actually a bigger picture where, where Stokes in particular is concerned. I think Stokes, you know, he is an evangelist for Test cricket. Virat Kohli has been an evangelist yep, for Test cricket. Yep. A lot of the great players in recent vintage have been evangelists for Test cricket because they have performed at every level of the game, all three formats, excelled in all three formats to one one degree or another, and have the the people who have done that have almost invariably decided, you know what, Test cricket is still the best format, still mm. the one where I want to test my metal. I want others mm. to test their mm. metal in this format. So I do think that, that you know, you can, you've got to filter out the localised English yeah, yeah. noise of preachiness from the, the wider existential battle for test cricket, which it matters that people want to play test cricket. It matters that, you know, England are willing to give their, um, Liam Livingston, say, obviously he got injured and didn't get a chance to to, to get, a, get a go and but Will Jacks got yeah. a chance. But yeah. Liam Livingston is, is more... A more of a pertinent point than Will Jacks at the moment because Jacks is not a superstar. Livingston is a superstar yeah, in yeah. white ball cricket, and he wants to play Test cricket. That has got to be a good thing. That you you have got to encourage the the best players in the world to want to play this format. Mm. Otherwise, it will not be the best format anymore. Mm. Yeah. And so you know, you call it preaching if you must, uh, but you're missing the point if you think that that's all it's about. Fair enough. Um, 
McCullum and uh, and and Ben Stokes are just here, put on this earth to save Test cricket. We should all <laughs> then breach. Just breach. Get, get, <laughs> get on board. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, on Stokes. Uh, Stokes, the captain. I, he was sort of the only man for the job um, seven, eight months ago, and now he's being sort of. Uh, describing Nasser Hussain, I think uh, in a very good post-match interview yesterday, he said that you know that's the best week of captaincy mm. I've ever seen, uh, yeah. coming from one of England's great captains there, um, Milo. Is he is he already in the in a place of being sort of genuinely revolutionary, a sort of a, a really a Steve War type, even McCullum uh, mm. as a captain? Yeah, uh, I, I think I think um, Oz and I were talking about this upstairs actually. Just uh, just in terms of where Stokes is at as a as a leader, he's mm. he's reached that he's reached that sort of field marshal status already. Uh, that you know, it's the, the, only a very exclusive band I reckon have got to that level. I, I would I would put. Uh, Arjuna Ranatunga in that level, for instance. So I'd probably probably have uh, Steve Waugh probably inherited a good team in, mm. in a different way, so I wouldn't go there. Imran, 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 Imran Khan, definitely. Uh, in terms of being such a such an important and iconic presence within the side, that actually mm. what he does is is isn't actually as important as what he does for the rest of the team. You know, he can bat at six. He can he can sit back and get out get out for a third ball duck playing a horrible shot. Bowl an eleven over spell of bumpers. And yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. He bowled his eleven yeah. over spell in the yeah. dirt, and you know probably when it's needed. When yeah. it's needed. Yeah. So I, I think he's probably he's probably gets more down and dirty than than Ranatunga and Imran would have done in in mm. similar circumstances. But the 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 manner in which he you you look at, look at him in situ at that sort of pivotal middle order position. Thinking, you know, I, I'm here as the general. I will, I will direct operations when required. But hopefully, the kids in this team will will, will do do the heavy lifting for me. Um, I think, I think there's there's a degree of that. But but in terms of the tactical acumen, I never saw that coming. I mean, as as we've as we've mm. talked previously, I I wanted Stuart Broad to be England's interim captain because mm. I thought England was so far behind the eight ball yeah. that they needed to just get a few things out of their system mm. before they could. Before they can move on with a new generation, I did not foresee that Stokes would suddenly burst out as such a such a super brain, frankly. But and and frankly, he's been he's been hiding under a bushel himself because he was the most loyal lieutenant to Joe Root, yeah. the craptain that there's ever been, <laughs> and it it makes no sense. I don't know how he managed. To Sorry, did you you did say craptain? He, he called himself craptain. Oh, okay. yeah, I, I think, think his Yorkshire teammates yeah. called him it uh, for a, <laughs> yeah. for a, actually for a. A declaration. Though, I think it might have been. Actually, oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Middlesex uh, chased it, it, 400. It's fascinating, isn't it? He's such a loyal team man that even... How many times will he have been standing there thinking, oh, Joe, mate, that's just <laughs> a really bad decision. But but absolutely four, so four square behind it that we never even noticed that, that he had this sort of a level level that he could go to, but on that though, it, it, it's interesting. Vish came came up with an interesting point within his sort of feedback loop. Of, yeah, uh, feedback loop yeah. of, of, of captaincy. Yeah. That Vish made this point in in his piece yesterday that that, that actually Root was the guy who came up with the bouncer idea yes. to to relegate Anderson to first change. This is using the new use the new to... ball, bowl bouncers, mm. rough it up to make 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 the ball talk later on in the innings and. You know, hit 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 them with a hard new ball that's going to get up more and get yeah. two wickets early on. Apparently, Root was the guy who came up to Stokes and said, "I've got a really good idea." It's like, isn't isn't that isn't, <laughs> isn't that, that what you were supposed like, to do like last year? Yeah, <laughs> is it incredible, incredible that suddenly well, is this in Brisbane? Then? Yeah, here's here's a guy who you know the 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 line in the sand moment for Root's captaincy was almost certainly his his failure to chase. New Zealand's target at Lords mm, mm. uh, two years ago, when mm. when you know they they, they got they got um, stinking it out. Uh, it was Dom Sibley, wasn't it? Just just blocked it to death yeah, and, yeah. and killed a potentially interesting scenario. Yes, I think two two eighty and about seventy overs. Or yeah, something that, exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. Entirely gettable. Seems, if they, seems if they yeah, for, for pretty tame. But the the fact the fact that Stokes has, and again he he was talking about this himself in his in his post match press conference, saying that it was it was collective buy in. He wanted his his fielders, you know. Uh, I think uh, Michael Vaughan said similar back in the day that he wanted 11 captains in the field mm. and it was all a bit lip servicey. But apparently he was saying, you know, you guys are broadly in control of where you are going to go and field. You stand where you think the ball's going to come to you was 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 roughly the, obviously with, with a bit of direction, but broadly <laughs> speaking, there was so much activity and so many potential potentials yeah, yeah. for wacky fields and, you know, four leg gullies and six shorts and ridiculous covers and all the rest of it. But, you know, 
yeah, you, you, you go where you think the ball's going to come. And uh, it's it, it, it's quite quite a liberating vibe. Again, you could see the enthusiasm from England from mm. first ball to last, even in mm. one of the toughest pitches you'll ever play on. They were loving it. They were loving the challenge. I think I think enjoy the flatness was another line yes. he said. You know, enjoy the fact <laughs> that you're going to have you're going to have to you're going to uh, have to conjure this, lads. You Jimmy Anderson's not enjoying the flatness now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twenty four hours. I mean, it's, on. You know, it's, it's uh, easy to sound like sound like we're 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 we're, we're absolutely lo- losing the plot over what's going on. But it's if this isn't groundbreaking, I don't know what is, and mm, if this isn't going to catch yeah. on, I don't know what can. You know, England isn't the only team in the world that is faced with this issue of white ball cricket, T20 cricket in particular, being the format that people have been drawn to. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, ben, Kevin Peterson, Bet Noir of, of, of many, put it, put it best last year when he said that, you know, if you were being offered X million pounds to play 20 overs a day, of course you would take that money over playing five days test matches on a roll pinned yeah. pitch. <laughs> For less money, I mean, the, the, the economics is is so skewed towards mm. white ball cricket that the only direction of travel for every single player in the world is more white ball cricket, more T Twenty, more of the of the of the quick fix. You know, mm. go go to the T Tens even, and you know, fortnight in fortnight in Abu Dhabi and yes. coin it for the winter. Happy days. The only way to keep Test cricket relevant is to make the best players in the world think. You know what? I want a piece of that. that and if that. if there if there are players all around the world who saw what went on in Royal Pindy and saw the vibe and the, the the enthusiasm with which England went about trying to win that, they will think, you know what, let's 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 give this a go. We're good enough. I'm, I'm Pat Cummins is good enough and his team to 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 I, I, ride, I wonder, ride, rise that challenge. I, I wonder <laughs> if like the the other you were saying about catching you know it catching on, I think with a lot of teams, so outside of England, India and Australia, I, I don't think there's the depth across formats and in player pools for them to be able to kind of, you know, pick from like the white ball squad. A, a lot of teams are, you know, guys like Barber, guys like Rizwan, they play across all formats anyway. And I think in England, you have that kind of depth to, to bring in now white ball players into the, into the test side and kind of transform the way they're playing and stuff. So catching on, I don't know, but it is definitely a way that people, the teams like Australia would have looked at this. I, I think Nathan Lyon was was fairly dismissive. Nasher was on, on a call this morning saying that Nathan Lyon was asked about it and apparently he hadn't watched a day of it. Which, I mean, you know, I don't blame him for the first four days, but if you didn't see that, you know, that last year or whatever. The other point about Stokes' captaincy, and this is a, a broader point about all captaincy, is that, you know, we've we've seen funky fields being attempted before, but it's something also to, a lot to be said, I'm sure we'll get into it now, actually, there's a lot to be said about the execution mm. of, of how England pulled this off. Um, the amount yeah. of well, well yeah exactly. go, and, go and, on lead and, into it and, and, and well we, we talked about the kind of the uh, using the new ball to yep. bowl bounces um, obviously England were just in the hunt for wickets so Stokes had had his field in and and there was a point where on that uh, final morning when Pakistan actually having been accused of showing less ambition than a, a, or less life than in a cemetery Dead I cemetery, believe yes. on, I believe uh, on Twitter by Oz um, actually you know had a pop uh, and took on England spinners, and I think seventy-two or sixteen, 16 overs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a, a point in the game where it might have, you know, twisted back, and and, and Pakistan might have been able to sort of capitalise uh, and, and push on in that chase. Mm. So England just went back to and back to their strength, I suppose, and bowled entirely seam. I think until the final over before T yeah, throughout sure. that middle session, yeah. and and we saw plenty of. Uh, the wall kind of field, four men in the in covers and mid wicket, um, uh, you know, leg slip, leg mm. traps, um, short ball stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, all the kind of tricks that we have seen uh, from other captains at various points, but they were kind of almost all condensed into this two three sessions of England trying to crowbar out wickets. And the payoff, I suppose, was in that final session when. Pakistan had actually got to the point where yep. people were beginning to think they're favourites here. They only need 80 runs with five wickets in hand. They've got a whole session, albeit that the light was going to fade, and, and we all knew that. Um, they wouldn't get, I think there were still 40 overs, 45 overs due, but they were never getting theory, more yeah. than yeah, about 20, theory. 25. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly... Uh, everything clicked for England and the old ball started reversing. Um, you had, I mean, by that point, the ball was beyond 80 overs old because England yep. stuck with that. Mm. Um, as I was caught at leg trap. Yes. Um, 
the uh, and then the then the, the new ball finally finished it all off. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't it wasn't small amounts of reverse either. Actually, it was significant yeah. reverse swing from all three. I think mm. Stokes and and I, I think Stokes spoke about it post match in you know in, and and this is about again about the, the the planning. It's not just a vibes thing. It is also planning <laughs> about it. In that I think he was very clearly working on the reverse swing going away from the right hander, and Anderson was on at the same time because he was reversing it in mm. better. And you know just just to be able to think about stuff like mm. that while you're in the middle of this, you know, changing the game itself or whatever. Yeah. It, it shows an attention to detail that, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. a lot of people hadn't yeah. hadn't foreseen. It really does. And also, it's also the feedback loop that we were talking yeah. about earlier. The, 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 one of the reasons they, they were able to declare at 3-4-2 with 100-odd overs to go was Stokes was getting feedback from his guys as they were going through the second innings. They were saying, you know what, the ball is just a bit yeah. stickier. It's, yeah. it's not coming onto the bat in the way bit, that, yeah. that it was. And so... In some ways, you know, you talk about the 72 or 16 from the spinners. Ironically, the fact that they did go for the spinners actually brought England back into the game because mm. if they hadn't gone for them and it had gone on yeah. thir 13 runs from 12 more overs, yeah. suddenly all you're doing is blocking up and, blocking and, and, the ball, and there's nothing yeah. left. The fact that they, the fact that the, you know, it's almost a mini carrot within the carrot that 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 passage of play that because it reminded play, yeah. Pakistan that yeah, we're still in this. And again, talk about the swing, the reverse swing. You know, you, you can say it's a happy accident that England got reverse swing, or you can say, well, they decided to bin off the new ball, bang it into the surface precisely Best. because mm. they wanted to make the ball, as Shahid Freedy used not to describe a, it. Not an accident at all. They, no yeah. accident whatsoever. They, 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 no, they, they, this is a, a tactic that, you know, Wasim and Wakar used to mm. do in, in, mm. in, the, in the first days of reverse swing. They used to bounce. Not, I don't think they, they, they went short as much as, as England did in this spell, but, you know, it was a deliberate thing that they would see how much the ball was swinging in a place like England, the new ball. And then if it wasn't, they would immediately start bouncing the ball to scuff up one side, to rough up one side, and then start going reverse. So, you know, it, it, it's something there. But I, I think the other thing that this whole thing has reminded me of is just what an absolute genius Jimmy Anderson is. To, to yeah. be able to pull this off against, you know, it, Pakistan's bowling might be might be, might be be kind of inexperienced and weak, but their batting lineup has some decent... Abdullah Shafiq is like a long-term test opener for, for once for Pakistan. Mm. Imam ul -Haq, at Averaging home. 65 or something at well, yeah, Imam Al-Haq Imam Al-Haq averages 150 at Rawalpindi. <laughs> Babar, Rizwan, uh, Saud Shakil. These guys are all like good scorers and you're on the flattest of flat decks that you'll ever play on. And for Anderson to pull off the spell that he did is just, I, I think, an overdue reminder of of what an all-round legend he is as, as a fast bowler. You know, people, of course, those Clouderson taunts will never go but to see him bowl the way he did and, and we were reminded of it I guess uh, in that in that over against India yeah, when, Chennai, couple of years, yeah. yeah when he got two wickets and two balls this was far more sustained far more impactful over the course of an entire I mean, match you say you say you, you, he'll never shake that tag I don't know how much more he needs to do to <laughs> shake that tag. He, he doesn't need to do anything no, it's just other people who need to get these no. ball webs out of their head yeah. that you know he is just if they have to look at this, his performance in this match. Well, his average, his 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 performance against Pakistan in Asian conditions. Obviously, first time he's played in Pakistan. Mm. He's, he's now averaging seventeen point six in yeah, Pakistan. The UAE. Yeah, yeah. And in the UAE, he averages. He's taken twenty seven wickets in exactly twenty in yeah. seven matches all told against Pakistan yeah. in overseas conditions. I mean, that's and those are that, tough that conditions. That is, that is for world beating, world beating form. Really, and I, I remember covering the 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 the. The, the, was it the Saeed Ajmal whitewash yes. series the 3-0 in 2012 13 I remember mm. watching Anderson and Broad bowl there and you know they were both very good but Anderson to be able to bowl as he was and I remember Mizbah being very a decade ago a decade ago right <laughs> he was only what 30 then I guess and I, I remember speaking to Mizbah about it a, a few years later and and he said and this was just a chat we were having it wasn't part of anything but he was saying that you know that that was because, you know, Mizbah was a master of the UAE, a master of conditions there of how to utilize spin bowlers. And, and he would, you know, drop fast bowlers any time just to play more spin there. And he was just in awe of how Anderson had bowled in that series. Mm -hmm. He was saying that, you know, I, I haven't come across a fast bowler on our side who's been able to bowl the way Anderson bowled. And that was Anderson's first time bowling mm -hmm. in the UAE. So, mm -hmm. you know, he, he, he's a past master at it. And this was just a reaffirmation and also a realization that I'm bloody 40 years old. Like at 40, I was, you know, I was struggling to walk up the steps <laughs> in, not, in most not 40 places. yet, sure. It was, it was your birthday uh, what, last yeah. week. But, uh. Six years bloody older than him. I, could, <laughs> I don't know how much how much lesser I could bowl than him, but, but, but it, it, phenomenal. It, it, I, is, it is a reminder too. I mean, you think think about the, the various tropes that have come up, come out about England's failure to compete in Asian conditions. Mm. They, they, the lack of mystery spin and a lack of extreme pace. 
and yet They've they had without, neither. Yes. They had they had no extreme pace. They barely even had any pace bowlers. They only had three three <laughs> three quicks. Yeah. I mean, three quicks is tough. Two and a half. Two, two and a half. Though. One of them yeah. happened to be Jimmy Anderson, who is who is a legend, being allowed to bowl in a way that is going to keep him as an attacking option rather than carrying yeah. scaffolding, and uh, as yes. George Bell would have put it. Um, <laughs> and also, you got Will Jacks coming in and you know being the being the mystery spinner insofar as he was, he was looping it up and and, and that and, nobody in and had seen him. Not even he knew yeah. quite the yeah, extent exactly. of the possibility. You know, that, that, that England managed to England have cried out for those two things. You know, Nasser was saying back in back in his his glory days, winning in winning in Asia in, in two thousand, he 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 managed it in spite of a lack of mystery. Uh, so it is possible, but for, for England to, to do it without mystery or pace, mm. or extreme pace, is is just um, yeah, another extraordinary facet of an extraordinary victory. Are you saying Darren Goff and Craig White weren't extreme well, I'm so, well, I'm, no, well, I'm, no, what I'm saying <laughs> is that they, there was more pace in that 2017 yes, than was, there is yeah. in this one. Yeah, there, with, yeah, with the greatest respect to Jimmy Anderson, who, who I think Vish was saying Jimmy was asked you know, if he could go back to his older self and get some of the pace backs, you know, he used to be he yeah, high, he high, high end 80s, 80s. Yeah, yeah. high yeah. 80s as opposed to mid 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 to low 80s. Uh, would he want to go back and get some of those extra yards? And well, you know what, I've got the techers now, so it's like, no, I'm not going to trade that. Why would you, the, um, Jimmy Anderson? The Anderson <laughs> Anderson stat I uh, liked from this test was that. He bowled at 16 maidens in the match. Uh, Pakistan, as a as a whole, managed four. <laughs> uh, Love it. We we, um, we probably should squeeze in a quick mention um, of Harry Brook and, by extension, uh, Gilbert Jessup. Um, <laughs> by extension, just of because um, Brook scored an 80 ball hundred Miller. Um, that was four balls slower than Gilbert Jessup uh, as, and three balls slower than Johnny Bairstow at Trentbridge, Oz, mm. that we saw. Yeah. Um, and then was 87 off 65 or 87 off 64 when he got bowled in, in the second innings. Um, he also scored the fourth fastest 150 of all time, fastest for England, so off 115 <laughs> balls. He scored 24 off one over. They're all in fours. He scored 27 off another off over. Another over yeah. um, and this is his second test match. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to, 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 to rewind back to the original point, Gilbert Jessup. I mean, you know, for all the Gilbert Jessup, is, is clearly a legend. His 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 uh, 76 ball um, hundred is a little bit in the same bracket as Albert Trott hitting the hitting the six over the Lords Pavilion. Over the Lords like, Pavilion, yeah, yeah. Uh, really? yeah. The provenance of that um, that particular but, well, with with Jessup, stat. I think there's. All of the other innings in the game, there's no balls data for. Yeah, so someone right? happened, happened to one. count the count the balls to that one, which is very good of them. But yes. anyway, Jessup himself probably. We yeah. point the point uh, is about it exists, yeah. it exists, <laughs> and there he was twice threatening it, and the second yeah. time, in fact, he probably he would have broken it. He would have broken it, yeah. but for the fact that Stokes basically sent a message out saying, "Get a move on." <laughs> <laughs> Why are you slowing down? What's wrong with you? I mean, amazing, absolutely amazing. Sorry, sorry, mate, not quick enough, but. Again, he took it took it in the spirit as intended, saying, "Look, we've got half an hour before we are going to declare. Come what may, uh, over to you to, to to go into warp drive, and you, you know." And the, and the fact that you know to give a guy the second test the license to to make the mistake, if you want to make a mistake and get out, you know, as Stokes so, do do as I do, get out for a ball for a duck if you, if <laughs> no, you so wish. Uh, we will not judge you if you are showing the right intent, and 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 the intent he showed is phenomenal. I mean. Uh, Matt wrote a very good piece about him during the White Ball series at yeah, Pakistan, no. just just about the the fact that he's got so many shots and so the ability just to pull fields left, right, and centre by by being genuinely three hundred and sixty degrees. That you know that that when it comes to IPL auctions, that increases his base price because yeah. people look at that ability to manipulate as well as power. Field, yeah. It's yeah. not just pure power with Harry Brook; it's ability to to just just take the piss, frankly, with 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 you know what 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 ball comes down to him. He he has the power and the and the technique to manipulate it where he so pleases. Did he uh, have a better strike rate in this test than he did at the T Twenty World Cup? Well, I'm he, sure he did. Yeah, yeah he, so didn't he, didn't great, great, he didn't have a great, great tournament. So yeah, streets yeah. ahead. I, I mean, that that in itself is a reminder. You know, he's a work in progress. I mean, it, you yeah. know, he he yeah. he has come out of this test second test match with 250 runs at 150 balls <laughs> and also this in this past month is, is, is a World Cup winner 
but you know, in the World Cup, he was a he was a bit a bit of a sort of bit of a work experience kid. And essentially, yeah, he's like yeah. like you know, come along for the ride. Uh, what you, an experience! What right? an experience! <laughs> what, what, experience. What, what what experience to have at that age, that early in your career, to be completely immersed in what the potential is for for this team and this generation. It's it, it, it's quite an exciting prospect for or for him. or or it's all downhill. From or it's all downhill from here. And then again, again, Stokes was trying to trying to avoid talking him up too much. Saying you know I don't want to talk him up because it's it's not yeah. healthy to to give give too many props too soon. But, but uh, what a what a player he is. He is frightening. Yeah. He scored fifty eight. Uh, sorry, fifty six or fifty eight balls uh, uh, in, so in the entirety under, of the T twenty one under Cup. a run of all. So, yeah, um, as. Joss Butler said of Ben Stokes. Yes. That's the sort of form that he would get dropped for. Drop, him, drop himself on the <laughs> yeah. best side, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, well, there's more. Um, will Jacks took a six for his first first class um, five for, um, in his test debut. Uh, I mean, there's uh, Ben Duckett scored a main hundred on his recall after six years out of the team. Zach Crawley got 100. Uh, Zach Crawley got, got a, a, an 86 ball hundred, which was... At that point, the joint fourth fastest, or I think, for England in tests. Um, Ollie Pope scored a 90 ball 100 and kept wicket for um, 250 overs or, yeah, <laughs> or whatever, yeah. whatever it was. Um, yeah, I, but I, I think we've kept the, the scoreboard rattling for long enough uh, <laughs> today. We're all Baz Leavers now, or, or should be. I hear Jack Grealish is calling it the greatest <laughs> test since sliced veg. Um <laughs> It's mince pies and mulled wine and multan on the menu for later uh, this week. So hopefully everyone's got room for more, more, more. England women are also in the West Indies, so we'll check in on their progress. Um, but until then, my thanks to Miller and Oz. Uh, please feel free to rate us on your preferred pod platform and keep up to date with all the latest on ESPN Cooking Info. Bye.